This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 181. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On bonus episode 181, we take a look at Movie Club. That's right, Challenge Teapots July 2019. Your Movie Club assignment was kicking off a brand new series of movies. When I say series, I mean area. Geographic area, Asia, is what we're looking at. Asian horror movies for the next six months. Basically taking us up to the end of the year. I kicked us off with a slightly underseen J-horror outing. And I say J-horror, but there's a lot of drama in there because we love us some drama. We're going to be talking about confessions after the first break. Now, I moaned just a couple of episodes ago. I was like, that. no one's sending in reviews but you guys stepped up you nut up and shut up and then brought them in a fucking huge array towards the end there so i think we end up with about five or six which i'm happy with to be honest for this movie which is not in english and you know maybe wasn't as easy to find you guys have come through at the end and i'm a happy happy camper now this is the second last episode of the week i'd originally planned to put out one on saturday i'm going to actually delay that over and give you a plethora of podcast content next week instead so i'm going to finish the month strong um, and then carry into the following month with shitloads of stuff so yeah the only other episode that we have planned for this week is our arrow random episode which is going to be looking at rollerball so i did the old random selection on it rollerball came up and that is a movie we will be covering so that will be coming this sunday then monday it'll be the second installment of the summer teapot's top 10 series looking at the 90s this time 1991 and that episode drops on monday right let's just get into the son of a bitch i don't want these episodes to run particularly long because some of the other episodes upcoming will be particularly long so i'm going to take a short break You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You are going to hear a little bit of motherfucking music. And when we come back, we're going to be listening to your thoughts on The Confession. We're going to be doing that right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult physician before listening. If I had one wish, it'd be for 
Let's just kick right into this with a little bit of audio content. This one coming in from our good buddy David Garrett Jr. So uh, let's swing into that right now. David says, Hello again, Duncan and T-Putz listeners. This is David Garrett Jr. back again for July Movie Club Challenge. I was excited when I first heard that we were moving to Asian countries for the next six uh, because I've seen some of the major films from this area, but it's still something that I am working on to see more. Um, so you can definitely say there's a lot of holes in my viewing experience. Uh, for this month, coming from Japan, the film is Confessions. Now this is was yet another one that I've never heard of or had uh, seen. Um, in cases like this, I definitely like to come in blind and without any kind of expectations. I first need to thank you, Duncan, for providing the link to this film as I've had some difficulty trying to find films from this area in the past, so this definitely made it much easier for me to be able to check out. Um, This is an interesting film in that it is listed as a psychological thriller, 
But man, this film is quite dark once it gets into it. And I actually love that aspect of it. Now, I'm not completely familiar with all of the ins and outs of Japanese lifestyle or their laws, but this film did have some eye-opening aspects for me. Uh, the opening sequence where uh, Morigochi is calling out the students that murdered her daughter was both tense and heartbreaking. I was shocked to learn that they had a law preventing children um, under the age of 14 to be tried as adults. I guess being that I'm an American, I hear about teens getting like 30-year life sentences for committing murder. Uh, so it's just kind of interesting that in this case they wouldn't be able to be tried like that. And then, just to go from that, I can kind of see both sides of this argument, but it was still quite shocking. I will say that both Shuya and Naoki are little monsters, and I kind of feel like they do deserve more of a punishment than what they would get. Um, so I kind of, I'm on the teacher's side and loved what she did. I love that this film kind of explores some different types of issues through different characters. Um, for example, is that Moriguchi actually was explores the concept of revenge through what she does um, to her daughter. Um, a mother who can't see that her child is actually a monster and blindly defending them is kind of what you see from Shimamura. And then we also have the child who's not living up to the lofty expectation is through Shuya. And I do think that there's a lot of layers here, and the film really does seem to think that there's an aspect of all three of the children who murder embodying either nature, nurture, or in the case of Shuya, both. And then I would have to say that the acting in this film is great in bringing this all to life. Matsu as Moriguchi seems like something that is just completely burnt out by everything and just at the end of her rope and decides to do what she did. She really has nothing to lose and just wants that revenge. Um, Nishi, Fujiwara, and Hashimoto are all distinct and different characters, but I was impressed with a group of actors who could play their roles at, that a at their age. Um, I also think this film is edited in an interesting way to move between the four characters, and it kept the film from getting stale by giving us more and more information until the great climax. The final line is what really sealed me loving this film. I have to say, Duncan, that thank you for picking this one, and, or I might have never watched it. Despite its dark and despairing nature, I really enjoyed it. I think that now that I know how everything played out, it would be a film that I would revisit again at some point to see if I missed anything. My rating on the Netflix scale for this would be a 4.5 out of 5. Thanks again for doing these and for everything that you do with the podcast Under Those Stairs. Thank, look forward to the episode and everyone else's thoughts on this one as well. This is David Garrett Jr. signing off. And thank you very much to David Garrett Jr. for swinging in that review. Always great to hear from you, buddy, and glad that you dug this movie. Let's swing it off to another fond favourite of Podcasts Under the Stairs. A movie club is, of course, Tim Walker. Tim, uh, I, always, I actually always get kind of giddy when your reviews come in because I genuinely don't know, unless we've had some sort of conversation beforehand, which way they're going to go. Um, and I don't even know your stance on Asian horror cinema, so let's get into it. You have wrote, Dear Duncan and Teapots People, alright, off to Asia. This time specifically in Japan. I've got a mixed record with Asian horror. I do like most of them, but there are a few that I really, really don't. That includes some incredibly popular Asian horror films. My reviews could go either way. First up, Confessions from 2011. A first time watch for me. In fact, I'd never even heard of it. Okay, let's try positives and negatives. First, the positives. It's extremely well shot. The cinematography is outstanding throughout the many clever camera techniques and inspired use of slow motion. 
I'll get to the plot with the negatives, but I will say that I never got bored throughout this movie. It was very engaging. That's it for me, unfortunately. Now the negatives, and I have several of them. The plot was a big one for me. I just wasn't buying it. The twists were beyond my capacity to suspend my disbelief, especially in the latter part of the film. Implausible is a polite way to put it. With every big new twist, I was shaking my head and a couple of times I let out a that's fucking stupid. The story started off okay and I was very impressed by the camera work, but it kept losing me. One character just happens to be a 13 year old super genius. The other character can suddenly hack into a website and foil the villain's plans, including a bomb. Really? Come on, man. How did she even know he had a website? Maybe I missed a few details that would have cleared up some of this, but regardless, it was a frustrating watch. I'll just wrap up that part by saying that I didn't buy into this movie. Just when I thought the movie had me and I was digging it, it would have another plot twist that would that failed and yanked me right back out. Another thing, and I know that this is common with Asian movies, is how overly melodramatic the acting, dialogue and general mood was. It doesn't always bother me, but it did here, and I was pretty much over the top. It was yet another thing that took me out of it. I know anyone hearing that may be frustrated hearing how I don't like horror comedies and now I don't like movies that are too serious. I'm never satisfied, right? Well, I guess it just boils down to how it's done and some movies just strike me as melodramatic to the point of being incredibly corny. When I see corny melodrama, I just want to take, I just can't take it more seriously than unfunny comedy and I find it quite annoying. I'm sure plenty of people will see this movie and have no clue what I'm talking about. How is this movie more melodramatic than any other? I'm not sure that I can answer that, but I'm just giving my honest opinion. I call them like I see them. At times, this one got pretty damn corny. And I'm not sure how much blame I can lay at the feet of the screenwriter, the actors or the director, but it was too much for me. Another negative for me was the use of music. Some of it was appropriate, but here and there they'd play a song, most of them with English lyrics that just didn't fit. I don't know if the songs didn't match the mood of the scene or matched them too well and added to my feeling of it being corny, but I was not a fan of the musical choices. There's one more negative that you could tie into my problems with the plot. I didn't like any of these characters. Even the teenage girl who seemed sympathetic most of the time just didn't do anything for me. Didn't care about her at all. Worst of all is the teacher who lost her child. How could I? How could someone not sympathise with her? I don't know, but they managed to pull it off somehow. Maybe this can be tied into the melodramatic problems I had with the film. I don't know. Maybe I am being too critical and maybe I just wasn't in the mood for this kind of movie on my watch today. It's just my subjective opinion after all, not objective fact. But I wasn't picking up what this movie was thrown down. I can tell this one is going to be pretty popular with most horror fans, but I am the contrarian yet again. I didn't hate it, but I'll probably never watch it again. I can't give it any more than 2 out of 5 in the classic Netflix current letterbox rating style. I just can't go too long without a negative review, I suppose. Maybe I'll dig next month's movie. Oh well. Take care, Duncan, and Teapots folks, Tim. Well, there we go. Tim has submitted his. Uh, we have one from Don and Ellie. If, uh, if the gods and the forces of the universe are aligned, then it uh, means Don and Ellie will like this one because never the two shall meet 
on an equal review of enjoyment on a movie. It just hasn't happened thus far, and I'm going to say it probably never will happen again. So there we go. Right, on to the next review. And it's another audio one that's coming in from our good buddy Rafael Fernandez, and Rafael says... Confessions. Light research revealed that this movie won the Japanese equivalent to the Academy Awards for Best Picture, Director, and Screenplay. I haven't seen any of the competition it was up against, but based on what I saw in this film, the accolades it received were entirely earned. You know, unlike The Shape of Water. The film begins innocently with a classroom of middle schoolers drinking milk and their teacher, Miss Moriguchi, preparing her final lesson before spring break. And over a long 30-minute scene, though interspersed with flashbacks, like a pulp detective, Miss Moriguchi lays out her case against two students whom she accuses of murdering her young daughter and bestows a cruel punishment because she believes juvenile law will deny the murderers the justice they deserve. But all that is only the beginning of a twisty, noir-like thriller that deals with some very dark subject matter, like cruelty and bullying, broken families, depression and sociopathy, mass murder, suicide, the dangers of the internet, and probably more than I'm missing. I was not prepared to be as affected as I was by the story, especially when Shuya fantasized about bombing his school. That was tough. I really like the narrative style. Essentially, the nonlinear story is told via alternating perspectives of Miss Moriguchi, a female student, Mizuki, the dominant student murderer, Shuya, his patsy, Naota, and Naota's mother. Each reveals their own motivations and their perceptions of the motivations of others in the events that follow and precede the opening scene. Though shifting perspectives really tempered my displeasure at the behavior of some of the characters when exposed to their point of view. For example, Miss Moriguchi couldn't accept that Naota's mother seemed to want to protect her son more than find justice for his victim. But I really sympathized with the mother. Of course she wouldn't want to believe that her son was capable of murder. In my mind, this movie is a tragedy. All the main characters are damaged, broken, or weak to use the film's term. They've lost someone important to them, and their damaged psyches lead them to horrible decisions that spread misery to others. The movie begins and ends with Miss Moriguchi, who lost both her daughter and her baby daddy Masayoshi. But Shuya lost his mother who abandoned him as a child. Noota lost Shuya's friendship. Mizuki, well I couldn't tell what her deal was other than she was suicidal. And Noota's mother has lost her son to depression. But there were voices of reason, so to speak, in Masayoshi, who, while dying of cancer, tried to impart the lesson that repaying hate with hate will only torture one's soul. And also the young teacher, Mr. Werther, the optimist whose naivete is ridiculed and is manipulated to be a tool in Miss Moriguchi's scheme. The ending is fantastic though ambiguous. Shuya attempts to detonate a homemade bomb at an assembly, but Miss Moriguchi reveals that she has discovered it and left it with Shuya's mother, the only other human being Shuya truly loves. He is led to believe that detonating a bomb has actually killed her, fulfilling Moriguchi's plan to make him suffer a living hell as a step towards redemption. The optimist in me doesn't want to believe that Miss Moriguchi actually did what she did, that the just kidding line was in reference to the entire scenario she, did, she described. 
since she also did not actually poison the milk in the first scene, and that her goal was to make Shuya only believe he was responsible for his mother's death. But after talking with my friend at work, who also watches these movies, she took the just kidding line to mean his redemption was not coming at all, that his entire life will be hell living with what he did. The more I think about it, the more I think she's correct, since it definitely fits better with how dark this movie is. The music was noteworthy, uh, including Westerners like Radiohead in a Japanese film. Hey, why not? It fits. But when it comes to analyzing music, I'm way out of my depth, even more so than analyzing movies. The only complaint I'll make has nothing to do with the movie, but the subtitles. I would have liked more translations for the many instances of Japanese writing, like the various text messages and title cards. A couple of viewings of the film allow me to deduce the gist of what they must have said, but still. Confessions gets a 4.5 out of 5 for me, just because it's a grimmer tale than I prefer. I'm not too proud this month of my effort on this review, mostly due to a lack of time and just how much there was to unpack. Easily, this movie deserves a thorough half-hour treatise with everything it deals with. But I can't wait to hear what others have made of it, and I thank you all for listening. And that was Raphael, another 4.5 out of 5 from the listeners. Raphael, man, I don't know what you're worried about with the lack of production in that one, because it's more difficult to do a review um, just running it solo, trust me, as someone that does it, than it is to use gimmicks. Uh, sometimes gimmicks can mask awkward pauses or um, where we don't quite know where we want to go. Um, but you handled that like a fucking pro, sir. Uh, and I was very well impressed. Always great to hear from you, and you are always welcome to send your reviews in to Movie Club. The fact that you've done that has made me very, very happy. Right, let's turn our attention to another written review. We are going to our good buddy Don and Ellie. Now let's find out if Don will offset Tim's review. I get excited about this because they are two sides. I keep saying it. They are two sides of the yin and yang. Um, so, Don says, So, we started off the Asian selection of Teapot's Listener Challenge with a revenge thriller, a genre I don't really care for regardless of how well the film is done. That's the case with Confessions, where I'm caught in a rather unique conundrum. I don't really care for this genre, as the entire point of the film is the snapping of a regular person in everyday society in order to live out the fantasy of enacting revenge on people for a crime they've committed, either against the individual or someone close to them. That is usually given the entire cliched setup and makes the figure snapping seem rather expected than the shocking twist, and the film seemingly becomes redundant with cold-hearted scenes of brutality played out against unsympathetic figures I don't care for by someone that's committing ruthless acts of murder. That's what happened here, where no matter how many times we kept revisiting that fateful day in the classroom, the entire feel of they certainly deserved that, was rendered moot by the more overwhelming feeling of they deserved it. That's the way too expected an outcome and never makes me care about this kind of genre because it's showcasing cruel events happening to people that deserve it. However, by the end, this was a lot more engaging in how Mrs. Moriachi's rampage against the students was played out. 
with her psychological mindset reflecting nicely alongside the deeper tragedy of her daughter's death being explored in greater detail with each new student she targets who's confess, uh, who confesses to what happens. Certainly a lot more enjoyable in that aspect as well as the brutality in the moments here, which actually made me raise my grade on this going on as I will give this one a 4.5 out of 5 on the Netflix scale in this genre and I would say it's only the third film in this style I've actually enjoyed. The other two are I Saw the Devil and uh, I Saw the Devil and Killers from the Mo Brothers, which is a lot more than I'd figure I'd give. The half a point of is simply for how depressing and bleak the tone is, which I'm not usually a fan of, but usually strike down a film simply because of that aspect. Thank you very much, Donna Nelly, for submitting that review in. Another 4.5, so it's kinda kinda universal, and once again I called it, you know, Tim goes one way, you will go the other way, and never the twain shall meet in the middle. You'll always end up at polar opposites. But it's interesting that we seem to be getting a consensus here of reviewers kind of all coming in about the same level. Which really leaves us to our last review from a listener. As always, we go out in fashion and fancy style with uh, a little bit of uh, Lee Russell from the Must Be Destroyed On Site podcast. Lee says... Back for Movie Club. And we're looking at confessions from 2011, 2010, somewhere around there. Um, confession here, I didn't know what to expect getting into this, I'd never seen this before, never heard of this before, so, first time for me here. The opening at first was a little confusing for me, but that quickly abated when just this incredibly sad, harrowing narrative of this poor teacher and what happened to her daughter, um, in the events leading up to... Her, uh, before her daughter getting born and all that, just her incredibly sad life, just wow, gut punch. And also the opening set up the entire film, even though the film is very non-linear as it goes on, it gives you the central characters, it gives you what's going on, and it brings you up to speed on what's basically going to happen. Um, this is a really moody deliberately slower paced film with a really subdued color palette it's just very incredibly crushingly sad even to look at kind of uh the horror is almost entirely internalized here as it's the teacher's revenge which is carefully orchestrated uh, as this elaborate mind fucking of her daughter's two juvenile killers um it's really harsh, really brutal, but not in an exploitive way. It's not overly bloody or violent or anything like that. Um, deep down, generally not really a horror film, I guess. I, I think that's probably going to be the biggest complaint that people uh, come up with when they talk about this one uh, in the context of the movie club. Uh, I'm, I'm more than certain that's probably going to come up, but... Um, it is a psychologically driven revenge film, and there's very horrific elements. Uh, horrific things drive a horrific revenge. Um, and one I was pretty much behind as well, because fuck those two little sociopathic shits. Uh, I fucking don't like kids in general, and man, did I not like these two little bastards. Um, I think the movie could have been 
a little bit tighter. Uh, I think this is more just a personal quirk with me. I I find a lot of these Asian horror films or dramas or whatever tend to be a little overly long. This one wasn't quite there. It's probably about average what a film should be around these days. Um, 146 or something like that, an hour 46. Um, but I still felt it could be a bit tighter. Honestly, the soundtrack at times with these sort of goofy moments that don't seem to work with the rest of the film definitely didn't work for me. Uh, I'm sure there was a deeper reason for these things being in the film. Perhaps sort of presenting some sort of contrast to the brutal sadness of the subject matter, but it was really unwanted by me. I, I just didn't need it in this film. I was content in staying connected to the young teacher's misery and drive for revenge, um, and I just wanted to basically wallow in the dirt with her and and watch her get a revenge and perhaps feel really satisfied when I finally saw what she did, and I was pretty satisfied with it. What I wasn't satisfied with was us continuing to go back to these other fucking kids in the class, because fuck them, uh, all annoying little shits. I, I saw no reason to go back to them, really. I'm sure there was maybe something deeper going on that maybe connects culturally to Japanese people, but I'm a stupid white person who does not understand these things, and all I saw was a bunch of annoying kids who should have took a field trip to the fucking grudge house, and they could have took that new teacher along with them, the, the doofus in the fucking white tracksuit, because they were all super goddamn annoying, and I wanted them all dead. Should have been more focused, I think, on the two killers and the teacher and her revenge. That's all I needed. I didn't need any of these side characters after, like, the initial scene in the film. Um, but that being said, uh, I enjoyed the film quite a bit. I thought it was really well filmed, really well thought out and realized. Um, again, like I said, there's probably some deeper stuff going on here th thematically that I just didn't pick up on this first time watch and uh, that's fine I can live with that um, but what I did see and what I did pick up I really enjoyed it's definitely a nice switch from this sort of the typical bloody action revenge film that I was kind of expecting this to end up being and uh, it was a nice surprise so I'm going to sit this at a firm four stars out of five on the Netflix grade uh, I definitely look forward to seeing what some other people say on this one. I think this one might be a bit of a div divisive um, sort of film on the old movie club this time around. But we'll see. I've been wrong before. And, yeah. Thanks, Duncan. Thanks, movie club. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. And there we go, so that's Lee Russell's review. Uh, let me swing in with my review just at the end. I actually kind of fall in line probably more with Lee uh, than I do anyone else. It's a four-star movie for me. I can't really go into any more further detail than what's already been mentioned. I think at times the movie does linger 
over horrendously annoying characters and I understand that maybe the technique here is to portray how fucking bad they are so the, the vengeance that swept upon them later on in the movie it feels just and I get that technique it doesn't kind of really detract from the fact that I really didn't want to spend any time with them and by forcing me to do that as a viewer um, it grew a little bit of ill will out with that though I think it's actually a really cleverly constructed, really well told story. I know Tim was talking about it being overly melodramatic and I actually do see what you're saying. It just didn't affect me the way it affected you. I actually quite enjoyed that aspect of it. This movie never really had much in the way of any sort of brightness at all on it or, or levity. Um, it was, it was a, a movie which seemed very happy to continually wallow in grief which I quite like, if I'm honest. I don't have the sunniest of outlooks and disposition at the best of times. So movies that revel in... It's why I like so many of those Lynch movies. Um, I like movies that cause me to have an, like, an effect, a, you know, a reaction of some description. This movie certainly did do that. I thought it was shot amazing. The cinematography is absolutely wonderful. The colourscapes as well, which are devoid of any primary colours or bright colours, I think work really well. I think the casting's good. Even the kid actors are, are doing well here, albeit at times playing into Asian tropes uh, and stereotypes that we see in other movies. Um, and I really liked the story. I was surprised how dark and how emotional this movie actually got. And I kind of agree with what Lee said. This is definitely bordering, and actually what Don said as well, this is kind of more bordering on the thriller drama side than it is necessarily the horror. I think the actions of the character and the inner turmoil uh, the character is going through is really the horror in this movie. Um, but it's, it was certainly, it was a good watch for me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I thought I'd seen this one before, but I certainly hadn't. And it's a four uh, on the Netflix scale from this guy. Maybe a 3.5 actually. 3.5, 3.54. I haven't made up my mind. It's one of the two. I'll get around to writing my letterbox review and I'll make up my final mind there. But yeah, hopefully you guys uh, dug our first jaunt into Asian horror cinema. Um, we are going uh, to a completely different country for the next one and that episode will be dropping in just under two weeks time. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. And once again, thanks to all my listeners out there kicking ass taking names and writing reviews. Right, so let's do our final break. When we come back, we're closing out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs it's been bonus episode 181 movie club as part of challenge teapots july 2019 reviews of confessions it looks like it was a hit unanimously um although towards the end there some of the the score ranges going all over the place but i'm glad that we've kind of struck off on the right footing and uh, we seem to have a consensus that people enjoyed the movie and uh, that will make things fun because the next movie couldn't be any more different if we tried and you will find out what that is in two weeks time there's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs as always I say come across and check us out an Apple podcast subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review it's the best way to support us on that platform you can also ladies and gents check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio SoundCloud Google Play TuneIn and Spotify that is right. You can visit our website by going to tputtscast.com. You can buy merch like posters and pins directly from our merch site. It's tputtscast.bigcartel.com. All that money comes back and supports what we do under the stairs. While you're at it, why not 
take a bit of time and go to Facebook. We're in two places on Facebook. If you want to interact with other listeners, chat about horror movies, uh, interact with the polls that we put on the page, uh, discuss the Summer Teapots Top 10 series, then that's a group page you want. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. If you're only interested though when the shows drop, occasionally checking out a live stream on a Thursday Thursday, you can do it by joining the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash cast. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TeaputsCast. And if you're one of the few in the proud that enjoy message board style social media content, directing your conversation straight with me and other listeners, then guess what? There's an app you can use for that. It's a new app called Flick. And you can find it on iOS and Android by going to Flick Chat. Download it. Once you've downloaded it, create yourself a little profile. Hit that plus button and join by code, type in the podcast under the stairs, all one word, and come across and become part of that. We post loads of stuff over there just now, and the conversations are super awesome. So yeah, become a member over there. I think we've got 30 members now, so we're slowly growing. That's not bad, considering we only posted about it a couple of days ago. So I want to keep that growing. Let's see if we can rival the Facebook masses with something a bit more fun and interactive over on Flick. The podcast under the stairs will return on Sunday when we're doing Rollerball as part of our very first Arrow Randoms episode. Still have not got a great name for it. I need to try and sort one out before it drops, but on Sunday we're doing Rollerball. It's the first movie we're reviewing in a long line of movies that will look at my Arrow collection and randomly pick movies from it. So that's coming Sunday, ladies and gents. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and what you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. Mm-hmm.